Special counsel John Durham releases his report on the origins of the Russia Trump investigation, and the results are absolutely damning. A former Rudy Giuliani employee sues for sexual abuse, and Miller Lite goes woke. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So for years, Donald Trump had suggested that the FBI was out to get him, that they had colluded with the Clinton campaign, they had colluded with the Obama administration, that the deep state had basically subverted his presidency. He said that it was the greatest scandal in American history. And um, it appears he was right. Special counsel John Durham had been given the mandate to investigate the origins of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. This was the story that, that generated one million think pieces. It generated a thousand Pulitzers. It was a story that originated in 2016, and it lasted throughout the Trump presidency. It led to the Mueller investigation. It led to one of the impeachment charges. And now, special counsel John Durham, who is given, again, remit by Bill Barr, who is the attorney general under Donald Trump, to investigate exactly where this investigation came from, considering it came up with pretty much nothing. He now has issued a 300-page report about where this investigation came from. It is absolutely shocking. It is damning. It is apparent that everyone in the FBI knew that this investigation was bullcrap right up front. It was very clear the Clinton administration was, the Clinton campaign was using the FBI to launder into public view and into law enforcement a bunch of bad allegations. It was clear that upper echelons of the Obama administration knew all of this was happening. Essentially, in an attempt to thwart the pending 2016 election and then the results of the 2016 election, the FBI and its top officials in coordination with members of the Obama administration and then just sort of internally inside the Trump administration decided that they were going to leak, issue report after report, initiate investigations that were nonsense. And they were going to do all of this because Trump had to be stopped. He was just that dangerous. And Hillary Clinton was going to lead the way and her campaign was going to lead the way. That is the essential result of the John Durham report. It's, it's an insane report. So according to the Washington Post, the report, coming almost four years to the day since Durham's assignment began, will probably be derided by Democrats as the end of a partisan boondoggle. Republicans will have to wrestle with a much-touted investigation that has cost taxpayers more than $6.5 million and didn't send a single person to jail. But here's the reality. People should go to jail over this because this is nuts. This is nuts. So we're going to go through a lot of the executive summary of this report. Again, it's 300 pages. We'll go through a few of the other aspects of the report. But what it uncovers is one of the most shocking scandals in American history. To think that the FBI could actually be activated on behalf of one of the campaigns. Well, that campaign was associating with the party in power, with the Obama administration, and that that was going to be used as the predicate for a wide-scale investigation that lasted years on end and cost the American taxpayer tens of millions of dollars, all because people hated Donald Trump and found him threatening and upsetting, is totally insane. You want to talk about the, uh, the destruction of all of America's fundamental trust in our institutions? 2016 is the year it began, and it has not abated ever since. And every everybody who even had a shred of trust in our institutions, you look at stories like this and you think, how could you have trust in our institutions after stuff like this? So the Durham report begins by asking a few questions. Quote, was there adequate predication for the FBI to open the Crossfire Hurricane investigation from its inception on July 31st, 2016, as a full counterintelligence and Foreign Agents Registration Act investigation, given the requirements of the AG's guidelines and the FBI policies. So in other words, was there any reason to even open the Crossfire Hurricane investigation? Crossfire Hurricane was the name given to the investigation into Trump-Russia collusion. 
Durham also asked, was the opening of Crossfire Hurricane as a full investigation on July 31st, 2016, consistent with how the FBI had handled other intelligence it had received prior to July 31st, 2016, concerning attempts by foreign interests to influence the Clinton and other campaigns? In other words, were they specifically going out of their way to target Trump, or was it just they were hitting Hillary and they were hitting Trump and they hit everybody? Third question, did the FBI properly consider other highly significant intelligence it received at virtually the same time as that used to predicate Crossfire Hurricane, but which related not to the Trump campaign, but rather to a purported Clinton campaign plan to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by Russian security services, which might have shed some light on the Russia information the FBI was receiving from third parties. In other words, was the FBI using bad information? And did they know it was bad information when they were using it as the predicate for the Crossfire Hurricane investigation? And did they know that a lot of that information was originating with the Clinton campaign? Was there evidence that the actions of any FBI personnel or third parties relating to Crossfire Hurricane violated any federal criminal statutes? And was there evidence that the actions of the FBI or department personnel in providing false or incomplete information to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court violated any federal criminal statutes? Durham says our findings and conclusions regarding these and related questions are sobering. So here is what they find. They say, as set forth in greater detail, the record in this matter reflects that upon receipt of unevaluated intelligence information from Australia, the FBI swiftly opened the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. In particular, at the direction of Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, Deputy Assistant Director for Counterintelligence Peter Strzok, opened Crossfire Hurricane immediately. Now, you remember both of these people ended up leaving the FBI ignominiously. So Andrew McCabe ended up being thrown out of the FBI because he had leaked information, apparently, to the Wall Street Journal surrounding the Hillary Clinton investigation. So he was fired. And Peter Strzok, of course, had this love affair. He was a married man. Lisa Page was another married person. They're having an affair with each other, and they were texting each other throughout Crossfire Hurricane about how Trump basically had to be stopped. So these were the people who opened Crossfire Hurricane. Strzok, at a minimum, says John Durham, had pronounced hostile feelings toward Trump. The matter was opened as a full investigation without ever having spoken to the persons who provided the information. Further, the FBI did so without any significant review of its own intelligence databases, collection and examination of any relevant intelligence from other U.S. intelligence agencies, interviews of witnesses essential to understand the raw information it had received, or using any of the standard analytical tools typically employed by the FBI in evaluating raw intelligence. So in other words, they didn't use any of the tools usually used in order to evaluate whether raw intelligence was worthy of opening an investigation or not. They just launched it. In fact, Durham says, had they done any of these things, the FBI would have learned that their own experienced Russia analysts had no information about Trump being involved with Russian leadership officials, nor were others in sensitive positions at the CIA, NSA, and Department of State aware of such evidence concerning the subject. In addition, FBI records prepared by Peter Strzok in February and March 2017 show that at the time of the opening of Crossfire Hurricane, the FBI had no information in its holdings, indicating that at any time during the campaign, anyone in the Trump campaign had been in contact with any Russian intelligence officials. So again, that is according to FBI records prepared by Strzok in February and March 2017, showing that the previous year when they launched the investigation, they had not like some things, not some thin things, nothing, zero things that were credible intelligence, zero. And they opened a full-scale investigation into the Trump campaign on the basis of nothing, literally nothing. That's astonishing, astonishing and frightening because again, the FBI is the chief law enforcement agency of the federal government, the investigative law enforcement agency of the federal government. It is absolute madness to suggest that you should be able to open an investigation on this basis. How exactly would that even work? And the answer is, of course, well, if you have agents and the agents have power, they can do whatever the hell they want. And if, if you're talking about Watergate, which was the federal government at the behest of Richard Nixon, him, him issuing agents to go and investigate his political opponents by breaking into the Watergate hotel, uh, what's worse, that or activating the entire FBI 
in order to aid your former Secretary of State's administration campaign in preparation for the 2016 campaign, which it appears is what happened here, is that Barack Obama's FBI, led by James Comey, under the auspices of people like Peter Strzok, decided to open a full-scale investigation at the behest of the Clinton campaign while she was running for president of the United States on the basis of no evidence, none. As it turns out, not only on the basis of no evidence, knowing pretty much full well that the Clinton campaign had originated this nonsense in the first place. We'll get to more on this in a second. It's absolutely maddening and insane. First, remember the last time you got a free phone? Well, you started out feeling really good and then came the hefty activation fees, the four-line requirements, and of course, the binding contract. Pure Talk is giving you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling that you've actually been duped. When you switch to Pure Talk's unlimited talk and text data plan that comes with a mobile hotspot, you get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right, unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? Well, because I'm on that 5G network, I use Pure Talk myself. I made the switch over to Pure Talk for all my business calls. You can do the same. Make the switch to Pure Talk. It's the cell phone wireless company I'm proud to stand behind because they actually stand behind our mission here at Daily Wire. Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team helped me make the switch in as little as 10 minutes. I was even able to keep my phone number. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Get your free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Pure Talk, wireless for Americans, by Americans. Again, they're on the same big 5G network as, as one of the big guys. So there's no reason. You're, you're, you lose nothing and you save a lot of money and you're using a company that doesn't hate your guts. Go check them out right now. Again, that is puretalk.com slash Shapiro to get started. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free. No strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost $1,000 a year. Plus, with Pure Talk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk myself for years at this point. They are excellent. They've got great coverage and they don't hate your guts. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch on over. Okay, so... The Durham report continues. The speed and manner in which the FBI opened and investigated Crossfire Hurricane during the presidential election season based on raw, unanalyzed, and uncorroborated intelligence also reflected a noticeable departure from how it approached prior matters involving possible attempted foreign election interference plans aimed at the Clinton campaign. In the 18 months leading up to the 2016 election, the FBI was required to deal with a number of proposed investigations that had the potential of affecting the election. In each of those instances, the FBI moved with considerable caution. In one such matter, FBI headquarters and department officials required defensive briefings to be provided to Hillary Clinton and other officials or candidates who appeared to be the targets of foreign interference. In other words, the FBI found out that somebody was trying to influence the Clinton campaign. Instead of immediately investigating whether Hillary was corrupt and working with those people, they went and they warned Hillary. In another, the FBI elected to end an investigation after one of its longtime invaluable CHSs went beyond what was authorized and made an improper and possibly illegal financial contribution to the Clinton campaign on behalf of a foreign entity as a precursor to a much larger donation being contemplated. In a third situation, the Clinton Foundation matter, both senior FBI and department officials placed restrictions on how those matters were to be handled, such that essentially no investigative activities occurred for months leading up to the elections. They shut down the investigation into the Clinton Foundation, like period, end of story, because of the election. 
These examples, says John Durham, are markedly different from the FBI's actions with respect to other highly significant intelligence it received from a trusted foreign source pointing to a Clinton campaign plan to vilify Trump by tying him to Vladimir Putin so as to divert attention from her own concerns relating to her use of a private email server. Unlike the FBI's opening of a full investigation of unknown matters of the Trump campaign based on raw, uncorroborated information in this separate matter involving a purported Clinton campaign plan, the FBI never opened any type of inquiry, issued any taskings, employed any analytical personnel, produced any analytical product in connection with the information. So in other words, they were informed that the Clinton camp was putting forward lies about how Donald Trump was tied to Vladimir Putin via a secret server or something. And instead of the FBI investigating the allegation that the Clinton campaign was planting this sort of information, instead of they just didn't open anything. They just let it die. This lack of action was despite the fact that the significance of the Clinton plan intelligence was such as to have prompted the director of the CIA to brief the president, vice president, AG, director of the FBI, and other senior government officials about its content within days of receipt. It was also of enough importance for the CIA to send a formal written referral memorandum, Director Comey and Deputy Assistant Director of the FBI's Counterintelligence Division, Peter Strzok, for their consideration and action. The investigative referral provides examples of information the Crossfire Hurricane fusion cell had gleaned to date. Okay, so in other words, if it hurt Hillary Clinton, they just didn't investigate it. If it hurt Donald Trump, not only did they investigate it, they launched a full-scale investigation that lasted for years on end and led to the unlawful surveillance of Carter Page, led to the thinly predicated, actually, as it turns out, unpredicated Mueller investigation based on nothing. Again, based on, I, I can't stress this enough. Nothing here, according to John Durham. Nothing. Now, the fact that nobody is going to jail because the standards for criminal conduct required in order for, to send somebody to jail may not have been met does not alleviate the responsibility of the FBI here, nor does it make anyone feel better about the FBI. I mean, the fact is the FBI and the DOJ would be a lot better off right now if they actually went and prosecuted some of these people, put some heads on spikes and showed people that they were never going to let the FBI do this again. As we'll see, the FBI is already saying we fixed the problem. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure you fixed the problem. So the Durham report continues. Within days after opening Crossfire Hurricane, the FBI opened full investigations on four members of the Trump campaign team, George Papadopoulos, Carter Page, Paul Manafort, and Michael Flynn. No defensive briefing was ever provided to Trump. So unlike Hillary Clinton, where they were saying, well, if there's foreign influence, let's warn Hillary so she doesn't get caught up in it. They never even informed Donald Trump. They didn't inform anyone in the campaign. Instead, the FBI began working on requests for the use of FISA authorities against Page and Papadopoulos. The effort as related to Papadopoulos proved unsuccessful. Similarly, the initial effort directed at Page was unsuccessful until the Crossfire Hurricane investigators first obtained what were designated as company intelligence reports generated by Christopher Steele. The Steele reports were first provided to the FBI in early July 2016, but for unexplained reasons, only made their way to the Crossfire Hurricane investigators in mid-September. Those reports were ostensibly assembled based on information provided to Steele and his company by a primary subsource. The FBI eventually determined in December 2016 that that primary subsource was Igor Donchenko, who it turns out was completely full of crap. Our investigation determined, says John Durham, that Crossfire Hurricane investigators did not and could not corroborate any of the substantive allegations contained in the Steele reporting. Nor was Steele able to produce corroboration for any of the reported allegations, even after being offered $1 million or more by the FBI for such corroboration. Danchenko was unable to corroborate any of the substantive allegations in the reports. Instead, he said that the stuff he gave to Christopher Steele was rumor and speculation and the product of casual conversation. Again, didn't stop the FBI from going into full-scale investigative mode on Papadopoulos, on Carter Page, going and getting badly and, and unpredicated FISA warrants on all of this. Their investigation, says Durham, resulted in the prosecution and conviction of an FBI OGC attorney 
for intentionally falsifying a document that was material to the, F, uh, to the FISA court's consideration of one of the page FISA applications. Hey, there is much more where this came from, and we're going to get into it in just one second. Because again, this is one of the most shocking scandals in the history of American law enforcement. The attempt to overturn one campaign, to destroy a campaign in progress, and then to overturn a presidency based on nothing, nothing, is absolutely astonishing. And the fact that these people now have contracts over at CNN, MSNBC as commentators, it just shows the corrupt media Democrat complex and the fact that that has now infused itself into the deepest bones of our law enforcement agencies. It's scary as all hell. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, when you're running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations as the heads of the FBI are learning at this moment. This is why you need to talk to Bambi. Bambi gives you access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just 99 bucks a month. This person is available to you by phone, email, and real-time chat. They'll help you run employee onboardings, terminations, and performance reviews. With Bambi's HR autopilot feature, you can automate important HR practices like setting policies, employee training, and feedback procedures. All of Bambi's HR managers are based right here in the United States and can support the nuances across all 50 states. HR managers can easily cost 80 grand per year. Bambi starts at just 99 bucks per month. Schedule your free conversation today. See how much Bambi can take off of your plate. Again, when you start a company, you rarely think about HR. You just think about like how to get the product to the consumer. But HR is the thing that can come back and bite you in the butt and take millions of dollars off your bottom line and just destroy your company. Got to make sure you're covered HR-wise. That's what Bambi does for you. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type Ben Shapiro under podcast when you sign up. Helps them know that you came from us. Helps us because they know that you came from us. It's spelled Bam, B-E-E.com, Bambi.com. Type in Ben Shapiro to get started. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, let's say you were a duke of an intergalactic house, and one day your emperor decided to give you an additional desert planet to rule. Well, you'd probably think, that sounds like an amazing gift. Wrong you are, because that same emperor decided to blindside you and murder you in your sleep. Pretty sure Duke Leto really wished he had some life insurance the moment that hunter-seeker pierced his body. No one likes to talk about life insurance, but it's incredibly important, and you need to include it in your financial planning this year. Start shopping now at Policy Genius. Find the right policy to protect your family today. Give yourself the peace of mind that comes with knowing that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover all their expenses while getting back on their feet. Policy Genius's technology makes comparing life insurance quotes from America's top insurers easy. Just a few clicks. You already have a life insurance policy through work, but that might not be enough. And if you move jobs, then it doesn't follow you. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies starting at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius has licensed agents who can help you find the best fit for your needs. When they make it this easy, there really is not an excuse not to do it. Save time, money, provide your family with financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so all of this brings us to the Steele dossier. So according to the Durham report, in the spring of 2016, Perkins Coy, a U.S.-based international law firm acting as counsel to the Clinton campaign, retained Fusion GPS, a U.S.-based investigative firm, to conduct opposition research on Trump and his associates. In mid-May of 2016, Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS met with Christopher Steele in the UK and subsequently retained Steele and his firm to investigate Trump's ties to Russia. Steele described himself as a former intel official for the British government. Also, he was at that time an FBI informant. Beginning in July 2016 and continuing through December 2016, the FBI received a series of reports from Steele and his firm containing derogatory information about Trump concerning the Trump-Russia purported ties. These reports were colloquially referred to as the Steele dossier or Steele reports. As noted, it was not until mid-September that Crossfire Hurricane investigators received several of these steel reports. Within days of their receipt, the unvetted, unverified steel reports were used to support probable cause for the FISA application against Carter Page. By the way, at the time, the FBI already knew 
that the same information Steele had provided to the FBI had also been fed to the media and others in Washington, D.C. So they already knew that Steele was leaking this stuff and also providing it to the FBI. In particular, one allegation contained in an undated Steele report identified as 2016-095 described a well-developed conspiracy of cooperation between Trump, his campaign, and senior Russian officials. This allegation would underpin the four applications targeting Carter Page, and of course, they were nonsense. As noted, the FBI attempted over time to investigate and analyze those Steele reports, but ultimately, they were not able to confirm or corroborate any of the substantive allegations contained. And again, as already noted, Igor Danchenko, who was the, the lead source for the Steele dossier, admitted that basically he was just making things up. The FBI knew in January 2017, Danchenko had been the subject of an FBI counterintelligence investigation from 2009 to 2011. So they already knew that he was not a reliable source. They used him anyway. Also, Danchenko had a relationship with Charles Dolan, a Virginia-based public relations professional who had previously held multiple positions and roles in the DNC. And basically, at the time that Danchenko was collecting information for Steele, Dolan traveled to Moscow, and so did Danchenko in connection with a business conference. The business conference was held at the Ritz-Carlton Moscow. According to the Steele reports, this was allegedly the site of the infamous P-tape allegation. The P-tape, of course, was the ridiculous allegation that Donald Trump paid prostitutes to urinate upon him in a Ritz-Carlton hotel in Moscow. It was insane. A ridiculous allegation. Danchenko would later inform the FBI he learned of the allegations through Ritz-Carlton staff members. But apparently, it was not actually Danchenko who learned of it. It was Dolan. So Dolan, who was a lawyer for the DNC, made up the allegations or heard a rumor and then fed it to Danchenko, who then fed it to Christopher Steele, who then fed it to the FBI. That's where the P-tape garbage came from. The FBI then did not bother to even interview Charles Dolan about any of this. They didn't even bother to interview him. According to this report from, again, John Durham, all of the allegations were basically made up out of whole cloth by people associated with the Clinton campaign. Pretty much all of them. Based on the review of Crossfire Hurricane and related intelligence activities, Durham concludes in the executive summary, we conclude that the department and the FBI failed to uphold their important mission of strict fidelity to the law in connection with certain events and activities described in this report. And then they note a few people who had actually done criminal things. But he goes further. Our investigation revealed that senior FBI personnel displayed a serious lack of analytical rigor toward the information they received, especially information received from politically affiliated persons and entities. This information in part triggered and sustained Crossfire Hurricane and contributed to the subsequent need for special counsel Mueller's investigation. In particular, there was significant reliance on investigative leads provided or funded directly or indirectly by Trump's political opponents. The department did not adequately examine or question these materials and the motivations of anyone providing them, even when at about the same time, the director and the FBI and others learned of significant and potentially contrary intelligence. So then they go into recommendations and, and they suggest, well, you know, there's a few bad apples and all of the rest. Well, no, this went all the way throughout the FBI, obviously, because literally all the people we're talking about are the heads of the FBI. By the way, it's not as though the Clinton administration, it's not as though the, the Obama administration was unaware of all of this. The Obama administration and the FBI were fully aware of the Clinton campaign plan to plant all this information. And they went ahead with it anyway, which is totally crazy. We'll get to that momentarily. First, you know, the simple fact of the matter is the only thing that is keeping me functional right now is my bull and branch sheets and blankets. That is like literally it. So last night, 4.30 in the morning, my three-year-old comes traipsing in because I don't know why she was awake, whatever, she's three. And she, uh, she came in and she said, I want you to come sleep in my room. And uh, I was not willing to fight her. And so I went into her room. I brought the bull and branch blankets in the room. 
And right there on the floor went to sleep. That's only thanks to the bone branch. The, the floor's not comfortable. I'm just telling you. The bone branch blankets, those are comfortable. Now, I won't say that it was like the best night's sleep I ever had because, again, my daughter was basically jumping on me the whole night. But if there was anything that made it palatable, it was the comfort and joy of the bowl and branch blankets and sheets. Bowl and branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on the planet. They feel buttery to the touch. They're super breathable. They're perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their signature hem sheets were made with threads so luxurious that four U.S. presidents have slept in them. Bowling Branch sheets actually soften with every wash cycle. They're made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. Best of all, Bowling Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. Get a better night's sleep with Bull and Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code Shapiro today at bullandbranch.com. That's bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code Shapiro. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, so all of that's just in the executive summary. But we also know because again, this is a 300-page long report from John Durham, that there are some pretty extraordinary details. So for example, apparently, according to this report, the office considered as part of its investigation the government's handling of intelligence it received during the summer of 2016. That intelligence concerned the purported approval by Hillary Clinton on July 26, 2016, of a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by the Russian security services. We refer to that intelligence here and after as the Clinton Plan Intelligence, DNI, Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe, declassified the following information about the Clinton plan intelligence in September of 2020 and conveyed it to the Senate Judiciary Committee. So here we are talking about Hillary Clinton's plan, which was approved by Hillary Clinton, apparently personally, in July of 2016, to make up allegations about Donald Trump and Russia, or at the very least, to use rumor as verified fact in order to slander Donald Trump. So here is what they found out in late July 2016, U.S. intelligence agencies obtained insight into Russian intelligence analysis, alleging that Hillary Clinton had approved a campaign plan to stir up a scandal against Trump by tying him to Putin and the Russian hacking of the DNC. The IC does not know the accuracy of this allegation or the extent to which the Russian intelligence analysis may reflect exaggeration or fabrication. According to his handwritten notes, CIA Director Brennan subsequently briefed Barack Obama and other senior national security officials on that intelligence, including the alleged approval by Hillary Clinton on July 26, 2016 of a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by Russian security services. Okay, so just to understand what this allegation is, basically, we know that the, the original crossfire hurricane investigation was launched directly around this time. By the way, July 26th, there was a meeting on a tarmac between Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch, the attorney general. Like literally the day after July 26th, which is when the Barack Obama team was informed about Hillary Clinton's plan to basically falsify an allegation about Donald Trump and, and Russia. I mean, this is insane stuff. So the Obama administration knew full well, again, the, the crossfire hurricane was legally launched July 31st, 2016. July 31st, 2016. Now you may notice that July 31st, 2016 is five days after, five days after July 26th, 2016. And on July 26th, 2016, again, there was approval by Hillary Clinton that day for the proposal to smear Trump. Five days later, there's an FBI investigation into Donald Trump and Russian in, in, in interference. And apparently, again, you know who's briefed on this? Barack Obama. And at this point, did the Obama administration step in and say to the FBI, guys, hey, hold up. We got to abide by the law here. The FBI and DOJ cannot launch investigations into the rival of our former Secretary of State Especially now that we know that she's attempting to get us to launch an investigation into her rival. Nope. They just went ahead with it. They just went ahead. This is insane. 
Apparently, according to John Ratcliffe's letter, quote, in late July 2016, U.S. intelligence agencies obtained insight into Russian intelligence analysis, alleging that Hillary had approved that campaign plan. And again, on August 3rd, 2016, within days of receiving the Clinton plan intelligence, Director Brennan met with the president, VP and other administration officials, including but not limited to the AG and the FBI director. According to Brennan's handwritten notes and his recollections from the meeting, he briefed on relevant intelligence known to date on Russian election interference, including the Clinton plan intelligence. Specifically, Director Brennan's declassified handwritten notes reflect that he briefed the meeting's participants regarding the alleged approval by Hillary July 26th of a proposal from one of her campaign advisors to vilify Trump by stirring up a scandal. So approval July 26th by Hillary. Let's start up a scandal. July 31st, Crossfire Hurricane is launched. August 3rd, the Obama administration, including Barack Obama, is personally briefed. And it goes ahead anyway. Does that sound like maybe there was a bit of collusion here? You want to talk about collusion? Collusion between the Hillary Clinton campaign, the leaders of the FBI, and the Obama White House? Is that what that sounds like there? Because that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, that, that sounds significantly worse. You know, when, when Richard Nixon launched the Watergate scandal, he didn't use the FBI to go wiretap. He had like a special team that he used to go wiretap. Okay, this using the actual law enforcement investigative agency of the United States of America to investigate allegations against a person you hate. Barack Obama hates Donald Trump. A person you hate who is the chief political rival of your former secretary of state and the banner carrier of your party in the upcoming election is an extraordinary scandal for everyone, for Obama, for Clinton, for the FBI. And it's also one of the reasons why you look around and you say, why, why don't people trust our elections? Why don't people trust our law enforcement agencies? Why is there so much institutional distrust? Because how could you trust this? This is insane. This is totally crazy. According to the Durham report, the office was unable to determine precisely when the FBI first obtained any of the details of the Clinton plan intelligence. It appears, however, this occurred no later than August 22nd, 2016. Well, hold up. I mean, on August 3rd, we already know that the CIA director was meeting with the president, VP, and FBI director, to discuss Russian election interference efforts, and this included the Clinton plan. So it wasn't August 22nd. It was way earlier. It was like August 3rd. And nobody at any point actually stepped in and said, uh, guys, this seems really sketchy. Like, should we be using the FBI to investigate Donald Trump on the basis of nothing? On the basis of nothing? There are other details in the report as well. As Luke Rosiak points out over at The Daily Wire, Days after opening a full FBI investigation into the connections between Trump and Russia, the lead FBI investigator, Peter Strzok, again, he's the one who hated, hated Donald Trump, was texting with his lover, Lisa Page, about how much they hated Trump, told a subordinate, he said, quote, there's nothing to this, but we have to run it to the ground. Strzok opened the investigation, skipping the preliminary steps based on nothing but that brief and vague account by an Australian diplomat of a conversation in a London bar. And um, apparently there was nothing to it. Nothing, and Strzok knew there was nothing to it. I mean, this is wild. The, the simple fact that everyone, the FBI's assistant legal attache in London told the special counsel, British intelligence agencies did not assess the information about the Russians and Trump attributed to Papadopoulos to be particularly valuable. In fact, that assistant legal attache in London, which the, the acronym is ALAT, apparently told the FBI's inspection division investigators the British couldn't even believe that the Papadopoulos bar conversation was all there was. The FBI specialists on Russia had also heard nothing about ties between Trump and Russia. FBI officials in London assumed there was much more evidence because of Strzok's urgency, but it became quickly clear there was not. But still, they said they had to grease the skids because of pressure from top leadership. 
So leadership was like, we got to push this thing, man. We got to push it. Because they had to stop it. It's absolute madness. Absolute madness. So basically, the Clinton campaign used the FBI in accordance with the Obama administration in order to go after Donald Trump. And this didn't just last through the campaign. It lasted all the way into Donald Trump's presidency. It led to the Mueller report, which ended up being a big nothing burger filled with nothing burgers. Even Jake, okay, so the media response, so here's the FBI's response. Wonder why we don't trust the FBI guys? Here's here's the reason. I mean, there are systemic problems at the FBI. According, they put out a statement, quote, the conduct in 2016 and 2017 that special counsel Durham examined was the reason that current FBI leadership already implemented dozens of corrective actions, which have now been in place for some time. Had those reforms been in place in 2016, the missteps identified in the report could have been prevented. This report reinforces the importance of ensuring the FBI continues to do its work with the rigor, objectivity, and professionalism the American people deserve and rightly expect. Oh, well, I mean, problem solved. Problem solved, guys. I mean, they fixed it already. Well, isn't that good news? That's amazing. Well, you know, count me a little suspicious because the upper echelon of the FBI at this time was Andy McCabe ended up being fired. Peter Strzok ended up being fired. James Comey ended up being fired. Like the entire leadership class of the FBI was involved in this particular thing because it was so politically sensitive. And, and we're supposed to believe that it's all been fixed now. These are not missteps. It is not a misstep when you ignore all relevant regulations that are designed to prevent the opening of false investigations in order to go after Donald Trump at the behest of the, the Clinton campaign. And you knew it was the Clinton campaign. It wasn't even like they were clever about it. They were using Intel funneled through Fusion GPS to their own lawyers and then funneled to the FBI. And again, there was a report involving the director of the FBI, he was on the line when John Brennan reported that the Clinton campaign plan was to wrap all this up in a ball and present it. And at no point was somebody like, well, you know what? Maybe we should check that out. Maybe we should check out whether this whole thing is like a Clinton plant because two phone calls would have, would have found out that it was. All they had to do was like call four people. All they had to do was figure out who had, was it Igor Danchenko? Was it Christopher Steele? Like all of this was like a couple phone calls away and they didn't do any of it. Instead of like, got to dig down, dig down. Pfizer Warren on Carter Page. Pfizer warned on George Papadopoulos. Go after them all. And well, that, you know what that says to me? It says to me that this is a weaponized law enforcement mechanism against a particular political candidate. That's what this was. Absolutely astonishing stuff. And the media, of course, some in the media are attempting to, to downplay it. Jake Tapper, to his credit, he says that this report is devastating to the FBI. Well, I mean, Jake was lied to by people like Peter Schiff for years. So I'd love to see Jake apply his standards of who gets to come on his show to people like, like Schiff, like Adam Schiff, the, uh, the lying, ridiculous congressperson from California. Here's Jake Tapper last night. Regardless, the report is now here. It has dropped and it might not have produced everything of what some Republicans hoped for. It, it is regardless devastating to the FBI and to a degree it does exonerate Donald Trump. Not to a degree like it, it exonerates him. I mean, I don't know what there is that doesn't exonerate Donald Trump. Like, which part is he not exonerated on? That the FBI was was not going out? I mean, the FBI was going after him. That the Clinton campaign was not working. With, they, they were working with the FBI. That the Obama administration knew about They They did know about it. Like, which part doesn't exonerate Trump there? It all exonerates Trump. And again, we were lied to for years. For years, we were lied to by people who were associated with the FBI, by people who were associated, by Democrats in Congress who knew Adam Schiff was a liar. But I mean, like, here's Adam Schiff in 2017 telling Jake Tapper, that the evidence of Russian collusion is damning. They played this all, they played the string all the way out for years on end in order to smear Trump, in order to hamstring his presidency. 
it's, it's disgusting. I mean, vile and disgusting. Here's Adam Schiff. The Russians offered help. The campaign accepted help. The Russians gave help. And the president made full use of that help. And that is pretty damning, uh, whether it is proof beyond a reasonable doubt of conspiracy or not. He's a liar. He's a liar. And he knew he was a liar. He'd seen all this stuff, too. They were all lying. And by the way, they're still lying. Andrew Weissman was a lawyer under Robert Mueller. Right? He worked out. He was the chief lawyer working under Robert Mueller in the Mueller report. So here is his reaction to a report showing what amounts to collusion between the Clinton campaign, the Obama administration, and the FBI. Here is his response to that. What what was it like to have your probe investigated for four years? So we were very aware, as I'm sure Pete Strzok and people at the Bureau before us were very aware that there was going to be an investigation of us. And you know what? Our view of that was fine. There is a false equivalency because you have an enormous amount number of cases which were proved where there, as you pointed out, there are convictions, where there is a there there. Russia interfered in the 2016 election. They're continuing to interfere. Um, there are people who've gone to jail who are rightly found guilty. And what you have with John Durham is like it's a big fat nothing. And it reminds me of the sort of weaponization um, hearings mm-hmm. that are going on where there also is they're just falling flat on their face because there is no there there. How is it? Fa- it's a 300 page report saying the Mueller report was based on nothing, it was based on nothing. And that you guys spent tens of millions of dollars going after the president of the United States for no reason other than Hillary Clinton originally initiated this investigation in coordination with the FBI and in coordination with the Obama administration. And it's a nothing burger to you? That's a nothing burger? Of course it is. Because, of course, you're part of the system. You're part of the system. If if your takeaway from this is trust the system, the system did its job, I don't know what the hell to tell you. CNN, of course, aside from Tapper, again, credit to Jake for acknowledging what what is due there. CNN is like, well, you know, the, the report doesn't mention the deep state. I mean, so, I mean, if it doesn't mention the deep state. I assume uh, that Trump and his allies are going to claim uh, complete exoneration uh, from this report. You know, this report doesn't refer to the deep state necessarily, but that's not going to stop Donald Trump from saying the deep state was out to get him. You know, we've also seen House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan already come out and say he wants uh, John Durham to testify next week. And look, Republicans, uh, especially Jim Jordan, have made a big deal about trying to investigate what they call the so-called weaponization of the federal government and who they decide to prosecute, how they decide to prosecute. So they're going to use this to fit into their narrative. Oh, it's the Republicans pounce, according to CNN. And the Republicans are pouncing. That's the big problem here. Not that the government was weaponized on behalf of Hillary Clinton's campaign and against Donald Trump. There was no deep state because it didn't use the words deep state. Slow clap for for the geniuses over at CNN. Really genius level stuff. We'll get to Donald Trump's response to all this in just one second first. When you're looking for a job, it can be tough to stand out from all the other candidates. On the flip side, when you're hiring, it can be tough to find like the right person for that job. This is why you need the magic of ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter helps you find the most qualified people for your roles fast. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter's matching technology helps you find the most qualified candidates for a wide range of roles. If you see a candidate you like, you can easily send them a personal invite so they're more likely to apply. Their user-friendly dashboard makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates all from one place. Let ZipRecruiter help you find the best people for all your roles. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. See for yourself. Head over to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire to try ZipRecruiter for free. Again, that is ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. That's why we've been using it here at Daily Wire ourselves for years. 
bunch of our best employees came courtesy of ZipRecruiter. They can do the same for your business. They make it easy for good employees to find great employers and vice versa. Head on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire and try it out for free right now. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. It is the smartest way to hire. Also, if you're looking for something interesting to watch, you should check out our series, What We Saw, hosted by storyteller Bill Whittle. Season one is focused on Apollo 11. Season two of what we saw is now in full swing. This time, Bill paints a bleak picture of the growing existential threat to America due to Soviet Russia and Cuba. In episode 10, we're transported to Vietnam and the Gulf of Tonkin, where North Vietnamese torpedo boats attack the USS Maddox, plunging us further into the Cold War. How big a price will we pay in our efforts to prevent communism from spreading outside Vietnam? Bill makes you feel like you're there witnessing history. Check out Cold War right now. You have to be a member. Go to dailywire.com slash Cold War to start watching. Okay, meanwhile, so Donald Trump has now responded to the Durham report and in a series of posts on Truth Social, he said, after extensive research, special counsel John Durham concluded the FBI never should have launched the Trump-Russia probe. In other words, the American public was scammed, just as it is being scammed right now by those who don't want to see greatness for America. The Durham report spells out in great detail how the Democratic hoax that was perpetrated upon me and the American people. This is 2020 presidential election fraud, just like stuffing the ballot boxes, only more so. This totally illegal act had a huge impact on the election. With an honest media, we are looking at the crime of the century. And then he continued to go after other members of the of the FBI. Treason, all capital letters, triple exclamation point. Congress must do something about this. It must never happen again. Now, you certainly understand his outrage. I, I don't, by the way, see the necessity of him linking together, quote unquote, stuffing the ballot boxes. But yes, I mean, if you're if you're talking about rigging an election, one of the ways that you rig an election in the informal way of doing so is by spilling out into public view a bunch of garbage allegations designed. This, this really wasn't 20. 20 election fraud, it was 2016 election fraud. It was an attempt to take down Trump in 2016 and that continued all the way throughout his presidency. It's absolute insanity. So the question now is what exactly we do about it. The answer, of course, is that we need to elect a Republican president and he needs to fire everyone. He needs to clean out the FBI. And now, if Trump were to be elected president, presumably he would do that. Presumably, if he were elected president, he would do that. The question is, can he get elected president? Again, this always comes down to who holds the levers of power. And once the person who holds the levers of power is there, do they know exactly what to do? Now, it's possible that Trump learned, right? Because he was president. He didn't clean out the FBI while he was there. He had the opportunity to do so. I understand it was very politically difficult for him to do so because he didn't want to look like he was shutting down an investigation into himself that looks inherently corrupt. I agreed with that, actually. Like on a political level, it had been very difficult for Donald Trump to fire Robert Mueller in the middle of the investigation once Mueller had been appointed. Got it. Understood. Would Donald Trump now know where the bodies are buried in a second political term? Quite possibly. Sure. The question is, can he get himself elected? And we always come back to this. You only get to effectuate change when it comes to the FBI. Is an unelected branch of the government. You can talk about defunding the FBI all you want. The FBI is not going to be fully defunded because you're going to need another organization that does many of the same things that the FBI does. So you're actually going to have to either legislatively cut down on their ability to do their work which theoretically you could do, but there's no guarantee that they're going to then abide by those laws. The big problem in the Durham report is that everybody edged around what they already knew were the guidelines. I mean, that's the whole point. The entire Durham report is a series of not missteps, but attempts to edge around the law, to, to file false applications for FISA warrants, to not do the investigations necessary to underpin actionable intelligence. Do they violate the law in a technical way? I mean, theoretically, you could change the law so that it's more easy to prosecute agents who violate these laws and make the penalty stricter. That's something that the legislature could do. And certainly a Republican House should pursue exactly those sorts of things. But the idea that you're going to just completely defund the FBI, again, 
somebody's going to have to actually, you know, investigate domestic threats to the homeland. That, that sort of stuff does exist. The biggest problem right now is how you staff agencies is just as important as what the agencies are tasked with doing. And whoever gets into power is going to need to know how to staff those agencies. And this is why you need somebody who is professional in charge of the auspices of the federal government. But yes, your outrage should be channeled into outrage, not just, by the way, at the Clinton campaign or the Obama administration. Half those people are serving right now inside the inside the Obama inside the Obama administration, part two, the Biden administration. Jake Sullivan is one of the people who's part of the Clinton campaign out there retailing all of these lies about Trump Russia hoaxes. They're active members right now of the Biden administration who are involved in this. Those people need to be called on the carpet and forced to testify by Congress. They need to explain exactly what their role was in distributing the quote-unquote Clinton plan to the FBI and laundering that into public view. And all of these are things that we should be pressuring our Republican Congress people to do right now. And Republican Congress people should be on the record pushing for that sort of stuff right now as well. Okay, meanwhile, the media are attempting to spin away from the Durham investigation, and so they have decided that they have a backup plan of something to cover. What exactly are they going to cover? Uh, they are going to cover, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, Rudy Giuliani. Now, I have a question. Who cares? I mean, honestly, I, 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 don't, I could not care less about Rudy Giuliani. He has not been relevant in American politics for some years now. He uh, was last seen being extremely weird in front of the, the, the Four Seasons gardening and tool repair shop or something in the middle of election 2020 with hair dye rolling down his forehead. There are very few figures in American public life who have moved from American hero to sort of joke more than Rudy Giuliani did. I mean, that guy could have been president in 2008. And of course, he was an American hero after 9-11. But it doesn't matter. The media needs something to redirect to. So if you look at the headlines right now at places like the Washington Post or the New York Times, what you will see is that there is a lot of coverage of the uh, of this particular story surrounding Rudy Giuliani. There's a, a woman who used to work for Rudy Giuliani. Her name is Noelle Dunphy. She claims that Giuliani raped and sexually abused her throughout her time working for him and that he failed to pay her nearly $2 million of promised pay. She claims that he raped her repeatedly, made her perform sex acts against her will, it's all very graphic. It's all very sordid. It's all very disgusting. She says he was a regular alcoholic, that he was grooming women and, and, and that he was abusing them, that he was making sexual advances toward her. So I, I have a question. She was fired in 2021. Apparently, she was originally hired in 2019. She was a graduate of Columbia University. And then she apparently worked at, uh, at ABC News as an associate producer. And then she worked for Giuliani starting in 2019, worked for him for a couple of years. So apparently, starting in 2019, he was abusing her from like day one on the job. Now, nor like we are still. Well, what is the what is the statute of limitations for rape allegation in the state of New York? Statute of limitations for for rape in New York is, um, I believe, seven years within the alleged violation. That, that that's the criminal statute of limitations in New York City. So I noticed that 2019 is four years ago. So if she would like to bring an allegation against Rudy Giuliani, you know what would be a great way to do that would be to, you know, go to prosecutors and have Rudy Giuliani prosecuted. I noticed instead she's suing him for $10 million and that she worked for him for a couple of years and that now she's suing him for $10 million. Now, again, maybe all, all of her allegations are true. Maybe every single one of her allegations are true. Maybe Rudy Giuliani is a creepy old weird dude who, who sexually assaults and abuses women. Maybe, sure. Also, you know what would be a great way to adjudicate that is by getting an alleged rapist off the street by criminally prosecuting him. And yet it seems as though everybody is now going for the preponderance of the evidence civil case in which they get a large check. 
the media are focusing on this one specifically because it means they don't have to focus on the on the complete destruction of the FBI and the Clinton campaign in the Durham report. Instead, focus on the fact that a person who has been irrelevant in American politics for some years now, Rudy Giuliani, allegedly sexually was abusing a, a younger woman who was working for him for a couple of years and who only saw fit to launch a lawsuit against him a couple of years after leaving his employ. I, I got to tell you, don't don't love this pattern. Don't love this pattern in American law. I like when rapists go to jail. I don't really care whether rapists pay giant monetary settlements and don't go to jail because it doesn't deter them from the rape as a typical rule. They need to go to jail. So uh, <sighs> color me slightly skeptical on all of these uh, on all of these allegations. OK, meanwhile, the entire society has decided that it is absolutely imperative to go woke as fast as humanly possible. I don't understand the marketing. Uh, at many of these major American companies that have decided to alienate as many males from their constituency as possible when their entire constituency and consumer base is male. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. So the latest idiots to get into this business, apparently this is a slightly old commercial, but I guess people have been doing this for a while and people are noticing now, is Miller Lite. So we had Bud Light, which decided they were going to blow up their entire brand and destroy their credibility with their entire audience by hiring a dude masquerading as lady. Now, Miller Lite, a commercial has now re-emerged from Miller Lite talking about how they're very angry at themselves. They're very angry because it used to be that they would do commercials featuring beautiful women in order to entice men to buy beer. I know, unthinkable. So they've decided that instead, they're no longer going to use beautiful women in their ads. I guess they're going to use somewhat unattractive women in their ads, and they're going to talk about all of their commitments to women. I have a question. How many women are like regular devotees of Miller Lite, are leading the Miller High Life here? Hey, who who are the morons in charge of these ad agencies? Truthfully, like who who are they? Here's here's the Miller Lite ad. From Mesopotamia to the Middle Ages to colonial America, women were the ones doing the brewing. Centuries later, how did the industry pay homage to the founding mothers of beer? They put us in bikinis. Wow. No, how dare? How dare. Wow, look at this. Wild. It's time beer made it up to women. So today, Miller Lite is on a mission to clean up not just their shit, but the whole beer industry's shit. Miller Lite Okay, so pause it for a second. I, I had a tough time listening to her because there were women in bathing suits in the background. I noticed. Like, I mean, what does she think advertising is? What do these people think advertising is? I, I love that they're like, we would never show women in bikinis in our ads. And then it's just like a wall full of women in bikinis in this ad. Like, let's not pretend we know what they're doing. And then it's like, we are going to, we're standing up for women by apparently composting. That's really where they're going with this commercial. Get ready. And buying it back so that they can turn it into good for women brewers. Literally, good How you ask? Ladies, take it away. That good helps farmers grow quality hops, which is then donated to women brewers. Most to make farmers are women, did you know? But there's definitely more out there. In your attic, in the garage, in your parents' basement. Send any you got into Miller Lite and they'll turn that into good too. Oh, so here's to women, because without us, there would be no beer. Here's to women, because without us, there would be no beer. Without men, you will have no customers, my friend. Also, uh, that's not true. I'm just going to point out that if women were not there to produce the beer, men would be there to produce the beer. And lots of men have produced beer. But again, what is, who's the constituency for this? Who's like, oh, now I feel like buying a Miller Lite so I can have this woman who is not a bathing suit model lecture me about woke about woke breweries and how we're going to turn like Christy Brinkley photos into compost. Oh man, that makes me feel like a Miller beer, like a Miller light. 
who are the idiots who design these ad campaigns? It's so unbelievably stupid. But I guess this is, it's got to be some form of virtue signaling to just like an interior class of people because the people who run the ad agencies obviously are no longer in touch with their consumer base, which is kind of an amazing thing because again, literally your entire job is to get in touch with your consumer base. It's not, of course, just Miller Lite. It is also Sports Illustrated. So Sports Illustrated years ago, I canceled. I used to be like for years and years and years, I was a Sports Illustrated devotee. I think that I got my Sports Illustrated subscription when I was like 13, 14 years old and I had it for probably 20 years. It was like my my kind of, Saturday afternoon enjoyment was reading the sports articles in Sports Illustrated, obviously. Uh, and I'm one of the five people in America who actually called up Sports Illustrated and said, don't send me the swimsuit edition. I would instead prefer to see, receive like a regular extra magazine. You can do that with Sports Illustrated. Okay, but the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition was obviously tailored at dudes, right? I mean, it was obviously beautiful women in body paint and it was pretending to be sports, right? That, that's what it was. I, I didn't. I had ideological objections to it because again, I'm not big into the objectification of women. I'm actually not a huge fan of women in bathing suits pandering for the male gaze. I'm actually not a huge fan of that because again, I'm a religious conservative. So, but with that said, you know what I'm really not in favor of? What I'm really not in favor of is the new woke standard, which is not women should stop. We should stop objectifying women because women should not make objects of themselves. We shouldn't actually use women as sex objects. We should treat them as full, indispensable parts of the human race, including all of their magical qualities. Instead, Sports Illustrated has decided that they're going to keep putting people in bathing suits. But the people in bathing suits they'll put are old women and dudes masquerading as, as women. So Sports Illustrated, I believe last year, actually put just a gay dude in body paint on in Sports Illustrated, which is like, I don't even know who your constituency is. Like, who... Where was the where was the hue and cry among the Sports Illustrated audience for just a gay dude in body paint? But now this year they've decided to go further. They have Martha Stewart in the swimsuit edition of Sports. Like this is a parody of itself. I don't even know what to say about this. First of all, I mean, why are you? No, just no, just stop that. No, that's not good, Martha. Just stop. I mean, full credit to Sports Illustrated for putting an ex-felon on their cover, I suppose. But what? But why? Like. No, just no. And that's the second worst person on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They have four alternative covers. One of the other covers is Kim Petras, who is a boy. Kim Petras is a transgender male, a transgender, transgender female who transitioned and had a bunch of surgeries at the age of 16 and now performs idiotic songs with Sam Smith, who is in a, a sexless amoeba devil, apparently. Uh, so it's the, two of their four are an old lady and a dude who cut off his schlong and got a boob job. That's the slow clap to sports. And then the other two are, of course, Megan Fox, a very attractive woman, and Brooks Nader, who's like an attractive model. You know, like an actual female. So Sports Illustrated, shooting for diversity while pandering to the male sexual gaze. It's like the worst of all possible worlds. All possible moral worlds have been destroyed here. Well done. I feel like uh, you might want to cancel your Sports Illustrated subscription. It's basically been a left-wing match. It's been basically the nation with a little bit of sports for years on end. I mean, they, they run like full-scale articles about the evils of global warming in the middle of Sports Illustrated. They've been doing this for years, but it's really, it's time, guys. Cancel, cancel your subscriptions. Enough is enough. All right, and meanwhile, things going amazing over in Chicago. So the brand new mayor of Chicago has now taken office. The new mayor is Brandon Johnson. Same as the old mayor, except uh, not a small person lesbian. Uh, so Brandon Johnson is actually more radical than Lori Lightfoot, which I did not realize was possible. Like truly did not realize was possible. And, um, and Brandon Johnson during his inaugural address compared, I kid you not, 
a teenager who was shot for criminal activity, apparently, and a cop who was shot. This is this is the comparison. You know, the tears of Adam Toledo, his parents, the tears of Adam Toledo's parents are made of the same sorrow as the parents of Officer Preston's parents. Okay, so uh, let me just explain what he's talking about. So if you recall at the time, what happened with Adam Toledo is Adam Toledo was a 13-year-old who's on the street because where the hell are his parents? And uh, he had a handgun and he was running away from the cops. And I remember commenting on the show at the time. He drops the gun right as he turns around to face the cops. And it's not clear he's dropped the gun. He drops the gun and starts to pick up his hands like this. And as he does, he gets shot because it's not clear that he's actually dropped the gun. That apparently is exactly the same as a cop being murdered in cold blood in the city of Chicago. So good luck to the cops in Chicago. Good luck to the city of Chicago. Uh, it, it is fun to watch as the as America's major cities are cleaned out by the left-wing values of the elites, while people who actually have to live in these cities have their lives made appreciably worse. Meanwhile, college-educated workers, by the way, are running like hell from these cities. I mean, just, just running like hell. According to a, a new study from the New York Times, coastal cities are pricing out low-wage workers, but now they're pricing out college graduates as well. So Metro San Francisco has seen tens of thousands of people leave in the last couple of years. Metro Washington, D.C. has seen tens of thousands of people leave in the last few years. Metro New York has seen hundreds of thousands of people leave in the last few years. None of this is a shock. It makes perfect sense. If you can afford to get out of here, you get out of here. But it's, it is an amazing thing to watch as all these college-educated white people who have voted Democrat for years on end, so they feel good to all their friends, then flee all of these places and go other places. Like, well done. It's you make the cities unlivable and then you have the money to leave. But the people who are left behind don't have the money to actually flee those places and their lives continue to be unlivable. Genius level stuff over there. All right, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be speaking with Senator Josh Howley of Missouri. It's a brand new book out about manhood. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? At five weeks, it can be heard on ultrasound. In some cases, the heartbeat can be the baby's only defense in the womb, which is where Preborn steps in. Preborn rescues 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing moms with free ultrasounds that allow her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just 28 bucks, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. If you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped to rescue. All gifts are tax deductible. 100% of your gift donation goes toward saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Ben. That's preborn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Preborn.com slash Ben. It's the best thing you're going to do today or maybe ever. Dial pound 250, say keyword baby. Start saving children today. <laughs> 